is Jasmine Nicole, and I am the host of this show, Seasoned Crime. This is a weekly podcast that shares a story about a minority. Before I even get started, I want to apologize um, for the sound in last week's episode, and if I sound a little bit like congested or different this week as well. After making it through all of 2020 and making it through 51 weeks of 2021, I ended up getting COVID the final week of the year. So those two weeks that I took off to catch up only turned into one week because for that second week, I was I was done. I was down and out. I, I couldn't do anything. Thankfully, the worst of it came and went within about a week. So here I am still left with this lingering cold and congestion, but that's all right. We, we're going to make it work. I hope everyone is enjoying 2022 so far. For those of you who believe in resolutions and set out to make 2022 your year, I am rooting for you. For those of you who are just happy to have made it through another year, I'm happy you're still with us. If you're new to this podcast, I want you to know that here is where we highlight minorities. We take away the boundaries of race, religion, sexuality, all of that. We look at the stories that the mainstream normally looks over completely. Every single story that I tell holds a special place in my heart, but being able to tell stories like the one that I'm going to tell today is why this podcast is so important to me. Sometimes when I'm just trying to figure out my next story, I go into the world of Google and I do a deep dive until something stands out. For this one, though, I at least knew where I wanted to start. So just giving you guys a little input about my love of true crime. One of my biggest pet peeves in true crime is unsolved cases. Not for any other reason other than I am one of those people who needs a completion just for my own selfish sanity reasons. Like I, in my head, there has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. So even though I personally feel some kind of way about those cases, I also recognize that those cases are probably the ones that deserve the most attention because of the fact that they are unsolved and someone somewhere always knows something. So I went on Google and did a Google dive to find an unsolved case to share today. And when I ran across this case, I just couldn't turn away. Not only is this an unsolved case, but why this crime occurred in the first place is a problem in itself. The beauty of this world is that there are so many different people. And the differences are sometimes obvious and sometimes not so much. As beautiful as that can be, it can also cause such an ugly side of people to come out as well. There are so many people in this world who fear what they don't understand. And sometimes that fear can turn into hate and violence towards something that they don't agree with or they just don't get. Today's story will take us to the beautiful Jamaica, a place of beautiful beaches and tourism yet it was home to one of the ugliest crimes. Today, I'm going to highlight someone who, in their 16 years of life, was more brave and more honorable than I have probably had to be in all 31 years of mine. I'm going to tell you why Dwayne Jones should be a household name across the world. Dwayne Jones was a teenager who lived life on his own terms. 
He knew who he was, and he stood on that. And he didn't let anyone, including his family, stop him from being him. Dwayne was a proud member of the transgender community. Um, I will say, I don't know, you're going to hear me use him just because all the stories, all of the research that I did, including um, quotes and commentary from friends, refer to Dwayne as he. So I'm not sure, um, obviously he's not here to tell us which pronoun he prefers. So I'm just going to use the one um, that I saw used time and time again. But just putting that out there, that is why you will hear me refer to Dwayne as he. Anyone in the LGBT lifestyle knows that the challenges that can come with it, especially with gaining acceptance from others. But for Dwayne, growing up in the slums of Montego Bay, Jamaica, he really had it rough. School was hell for him. The other kids were always bullying Dwayne because they saw his behavior as being too feminine. The bullying was so bad that Dwayne ended up dropping out of school altogether. Dwayne was never accepted for who he was at school, and his life at home was even worse than that. His family was so against Dwayne just being who he was that at the age of 14 years old, Dwayne was kicked out of his house, and if that wasn't enough, to add to the humiliation of this, Dwayne's father went around to everyone in the neighborhood and encouraged them to also chase him completely away so that not only would he not be able to come home, but he had nowhere else to go in his community at all. Dwayne couldn't go to school because of the kids not accepting him, and he couldn't go home because his family didn't accept him. So for a while, Dwayne just wandered around sleeping and eating wherever and however he could. He would get rest on any available bench and bush and around the beach, wherever he was able to. Everyone in his life tried to shut him out, but Dwayne was able to find a little bit of light with some friends who not only understood, but shared a similar lifestyle to him. Kiki and Chloe were both seven years older than Dwayne, but that didn't stop them from all being the best of friends. All of them were members of the LGBT community, and they were all in need of a place to live. So the group started squatting at an abandoned home that overlooked the hills. These three were inseparable. They had finally found other people like them who understood them. Dwayne was the feisty diva of the group. He was known around the scene as the Gully Queen. Gully was a reference to this storm drainage system where a lot of homeless LGBT Jamaicans live. Dwayne had big dreams of growing up, and he either wanted to be a school teacher or he wanted to work in the Jamaican tourist industry. If he could really live on his own terms, he would be a performer. Lady Gaga was always a favorite of Dwayne's, and he always dreamed of being like her one day. And this wasn't just a fun dream or a pastime. Dwayne won a local dance competition, just proving that he had the skills to match his desire. 
On July 21st, 2013, Dwayne, Kiki, and Chloe decided to go out and have a good time showing off those great dance moves. It was Sunday night and there was this straight dance party called Hennessy Sundays and they wanted to check it out. At this time, Dwayne was 16 and like many other teens, he just wanted to get out and have a good time. Now, Dwayne had never went out to the straight club in his traditional female attire, but for this party, that's exactly what he wanted to do. The three of them dressed up, showed up about 2 a.m., and baby, they showed out. Dwayne, as usual, was the center of attention. Everybody wanted to be seen next to Dwayne in the club. He was one of the best dancers in the spot that night. Long legs, high cheekbones. I mean, there was no way you could be there that night and not have noticed him. He took over. Visually, Dwayne looked like a beautiful female and no one questioned it. They just enjoyed it and Dwayne found no reason to say anything either. He was just being in his most comfortable form and He also knew the danger that could come with it if people found out. It was something that he was only willing to admit to someone who he could completely trust. And he thought that he saw someone who he could share this with. He ended up bumping into someone he knew from back home. A girl who he used to go to church with back when he lived at his house with his family. He knew her enough to feel comfortable to tell her his true identity. Trusting this girl would lead to be the biggest mistake that Dwayne ended up paying for with his life. As soon as she walked away from Dwayne after he told her about his true identity, this girl went and told her male friends about what she had just found out. Immediately, these men went looking for Dwayne to confront him about what they had just been told. They found Dwayne and his friends outside, and when they did find them, they kept demanding that Dwayne tell them the truth, asking, are you a man or a woman? Dwayne insisted on being a woman, which is exactly what they identified as at that time. But these men kept asking. One of the men was carrying a lantern, so he took that lantern and he analyzed Dwayne's feet. Based on the size of Dwayne's feet, he said there was no way at all that this could be a woman. Now the group was getting angry and they were yelling out homophobic slurs at Dwayne and his friends. Chloe could tell that this was starting to get out of hand, so he was just trying to get Dwayne and Kiki to come and leave. He was whispering in Dwayne's ear, walk with me, walk with me. But Dwayne wasn't having it. No matter how bad these guys got, Dwayne kept insisting on being a female. There was only so much verbal conversation before things started to get physical. One of the guys grabbed Dwayne's bra strap and from there, all hell broke loose. Dwayne was able to pull away and run, but he didn't make it but a few steps before the violent men caught up with him. Once they got him, they didn't stop. They tortured Dwayne. 
beating him, stabbing him, and even running him over with a vehicle. This lasted for about two hours with Dwayne going in and out of consciousness the entire time until he finally died from the injuries that he has sustained from their torture. There were no reports of anyone even attempting to help Dwayne, even though there were about 300 people total that were there at this club at the time that this happened. None of the reports mentioned where Kiki was, but Chloe was there with Dwayne. The only reason that Chloe didn't help Dwayne was because the guys went after Chloe as well. Chloe was also beaten and nearly raped, but before it got to that point, Chloe managed to run and hide in a church, and then once things cleared from there, he dipped off and hid out in the woods nearby. Chloe eventually made it back once things had cleared out to the scene of everything, but by that time, it was too late. Chloe returned to find Dwayne's lifeless body. He said, quote, when I saw Dwayne's body, I started shaking and crying. It was horrible. The police made it to the scene around 5 a.m. and they found Dwayne deceased. He had been dumped in some bushes like a piece of trash. The police did attempt to investigate the murder and they asked for anyone with any information to come forward. Out of the roughly 300 people in attendance that night, the police department said that they received 14 statements, and none of those statements led to any kind of information that could get an arrest. As if that wasn't bad enough, Dwayne's own family declined to even claim the body, wanting absolutely nothing to do with it. Dwayne's father declined speaking to the police or the press about Dwayne at all, hoping to distance himself altogether from his murdered child, all because he didn't agree with his child's lifestyle. Dwayne's murder was extremely tough for his friends and the LGBT community. They lost their larger-than-life friend. After his death, they still occupied the home that they lived in on the hills. This had become a place for people who had been dislocated and discarded by everyone else in their life. A place for them to have a safe place to lay their head at night, but just knowing that they were living there bothered some people. Three months after Dwayne's murder, someone set the house that they were living in on fire forcing the four occupants that were there at the time, including Kiki and Chloe, to flee with nowhere to go. Again, no one was charged with this crime, but it is strongly believed that this was an LGBT hate crime. Everold Morgan, who was an officer at the St. James Public Health Department, pleaded for police to offer protection to those who were dislocated due to this fire. They were homeless because of this, and he strongly believed that what was happening would continue, but the police department declined to provide any kind of help 
or assistance. In 2006, Time Magazine named Jamaica as the most homophobic countries in the world. This went back to 1864 when the country criminalized same-sex activity. Any person who was found guilty of same-sex activity had to register as sex offenders. Gay people and other members of the LGBT community were viewed as criminals, whether they had actually committed any kind of criminal-related activity or not. These laws showed how the country viewed the LGBT community in this past through generation after generation. There were even popular reggae and dance hall songs that had lyrics that were very clear calling for the killing of gays. Things like this speak to why Dwayne's case and everything surrounding it became such a hot topic issue in Jamaica. The country was split. There were a lot of people who blamed Dwayne for what had happened to him. They felt like it was his fault for being deceiving and not admitting to being born a male. If he would have just told the truth or just went to a club with quote unquote his own kind, he wouldn't have been killed. If he would have just complied with what society expected of him, he would have been just fine. Javion Nelson, an AIDS HIV campaigner and human rights advocate wrote an article in the Jamaican newspaper, The Gleaner, saying that his first reaction was similar to what I'd mentioned above. He questioned why Dwayne even went to the party in the first place when he could have just gone to one of the underground gay-friendly parties that he was used to. At first, that was all Javion thought, until he then came to realize that His thoughts consisted of him blaming the victim for being ruthlessly murdered. In recognizing and acknowledging his own faults, he called on his fellow Jamaicans to be tolerant of those in the LGBT community and saying that they must rebuild this great nation on the principles of inclusivity, love, equality, and respect with no distinctions whatsoever. There were other people who spoke out immediately about this tragedy. The Justice Minister of Jamaica, Senator Mark Golding himself spoke out publicly, condemning Dwayne's murder and calling for an end to the hate. He said that Jamaicans should embrace the principles of respect for the most basic human rights that all people have, and that they should express tolerance for minority groups such as the LGBT community. Carolyn Cooper, a professor of literacy and cultural arts at the University of West Indies, also wrote an article for The Gleaner, and she boldly condemned those who murdered Dwayne. She spoke about how people are so hypocritical using their selective Christian beliefs to speak about why cross-dressing and same-sex activity is so wrong, all the while those same people are guilty of other biblical sins, such as adultery in murder in this case. After the article was published, Carolyn said that she got so many emails still trying to get her to see that the men who killed Dwayne were the real victims, but she stood her ground, still condemning Dwayne's murderers. 
The LGBT program director of the group Human Rights Watch, Grame Reed, was quoted as saying, the Jamaican government should be protecting everyone's rights and safety. And that includes people who don't conform to society's expectations of how each gender should behave. A charity was set up in honor of Dwayne's memory named Dwayne's House. The priority of this charity was to help provide housing to homeless LGBT youth throughout Jamaica. As you're growing up, no matter the environment, for so many of us, there are things in our life that we believe are normal just because that's how we're raised. And a lot of time, it isn't until we experience life that we realize that our normal isn't everyone else's normal. There's so much I can speak on about what I learned from my mom, but one of the most valuable life lessons I learned was how I see others. My mom always raised us to see people for who they are and not what they were or what they had. It didn't matter if it was the trash man, the school principal, the mayor, a felon, gay, straight. My mom had such a way of looking past that and seeing people for people. There are good people and there are bad people, period. But someone's status or circumstance was never a part of how these people, how we saw people. And I'll be honest and say that I was ignorant up until probably about high school, because I really believed that everyone thought and saw things the same way that I did. I was so ignorant to the fact that sadly, so many people in this world don't see things that way at all. The older I got, the more I was able to see people some knowingly and some unknowingly judge others because of something that they didn't like or that they didn't agree with instead of getting to know them despite those differences. I have never been able to fathom how someone can be so bothered by someone else just being who they want to be that you could truly hate so bad. And in this case, Go as far as killing someone just because you're not in agreement with who they are. I, I personally have never understood how people get so bothered by something that has absolutely nothing to do with them. Part of the reason that I even did this podcast, as well as the beauty of the human race, is that there are so many differences between all of us. I don't have the cure to world peace or anything, but I am positive in saying that if we just let people be themselves and allow people to be happy in whatever that version of themselves look like, this world would be such a better place. And that is my TED talk for the day. <laughs> Seriously, this, this was a tough one. It was hard to research. It was hard to write about and it was even harder to talk about, but stories like this have to be told. Once again, as always, I thank you all for listening. If you're not already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Seasoned Crime. And if you have any story suggestions, you can reach us there. Hit us in the DMs, comment on one of the pictures, or you can reach out to me at seasonedcrime at gmail.com. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, make sure you rate and follow the show as well.
let me know how I'm doing. I'd love to hear from you all. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.